and welcome to Talk Talk Podcast for the Media by Us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ Boop. and Chris. Hey! And we are going to be talking about the things we've been watching and playing and watching. That's TV, <laughs> video games, and movies in that order. Yeah. Um, yeah, in case you were confused. Well, I played a visual novel. You don't really play it. You mostly <laughs> just watch it. I don't yeah. know. I play like trees sometimes. <laughs> Tree! I'm done. Oh, you're good at this game. Yeah, I played it too. Uh, I've joined a band called The Beats. We play trash cans. Um, play Adam. <laughs> After we talk about what we've been doing, we'll uh, talk about what news there is, and then what we'll do next. Like go to the movies. Um, I'll start. With uh, what I my watch list, my, my with what I my yeah, what I've been watching. So I watched uh, two movies and a TV show this week, and I want to start with the TV show. It's uh, a TV show that I heard a lot about a few years ago. Um, I watched the first episode or the first season of Rectify. Okay, Have you ever heard of Rectify? No, no. I was hoping it was going to go somewhere else. It's it's all these. Uh, it's one of these mini TV shows that's really good and has a name that is not memorable or helpful. Revolution. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one. What was the other one? The Event. Oh. Well, you just picked out like two like lost wannabes. This has nothing to do with that stream of television. But it is, uh, But what's the show you were telling us about last week? Undone. Undone. Uh, Rectify. Undone's a good title. Succession. It's just all these one-word titles are so popular now, and they don't... The the title doesn't really tell me enough about the, the show. I will take that over the long movie titles that are questions that... The Potato Peel Society. That, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> oh, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, can you ever forgive me? I was never there. You were never here. Are we really there? Was, are we there I was yet? Never, I was really never here. really here. Are we there yet? Are we there yet, too? <laughs> I'm not here. I'm still here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we hit all of them now. Well, let's, let's, let's rectify. rectify. I wrote down the timestamp, and I need to change it. I need to rectify it. No, um, so Rectify is, a, I think it was a Sundance series that ran for four seasons, and it started in like 2014 or so, 2015, and, uh, I picked it only because uh, season four is like famously one of the few seasons to have a ninety nine on Metacritic. Okay, and uh, I've always been curious, and I'd never seen it streaming before, and it's on Netflix. Um, and uh, the seasons are pretty short. I think season one is six or eight episodes, maybe I want to say six. And uh, it's about a guy getting released from death row due to DNA evidence, and. In, uh, he's in Georgia. It's set in Georgia. And he has to kind of go back to his hometown where he allegedly killed this girl and, like, raped this girl. And it's, uh, it's about the town and his family and him all adjusting to his return. Is he absolutely not guilty in the show? No. Okay. That's, that's fun, because I, I know a lot of DNA releases in real life aren't. Like, we proved he didn't. It's pretty much like, we proved his trials was shitty. Yeah. Right. So, there's a bit of that. Um, that's kind of why no one knows exactly how to act around him. It's uh, it's just a drama. There's It's not really a, uh, it's not really presented as a mystery. I don't think... I don't think whether he did it or not is going to be the big focus. Do you know as the viewer? I do not know. Uh-huh. That's fine. Um, Did you I, watch all of it, or I watched the first season? Okay, okay. and uh, it's really, it's really well done. It's really good drama. It's really well acted. Anybody we know in it? Um, no, I don't think so. Doesn't surprise me with Sundance series, but yeah, it's uh, curious. I don't know. It's it's it, it's it's impressive. Mm-hmm. And I think the first season is seen as the the worst, where the show is still kind of getting its footing. Yeah, um, well, some of the best TV shows have that quality. I mean, I think Breaking Bad. That's the case for Breaking Bad, right. and so. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what comes next. It's a show that uh, I wanted to mention only because I've never really heard much about it, but critics just adored the show. Fun. It came out. So that's on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, I watched two 2019 Netflix originals that just came out. Cool. One is called Tall Girl. Okay. Uh, I saw the trailer for this. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, Kelly watched it. I watched lots of parts of it. 
That movie is awful. It looked bad. It's real bad. Yeah. It's a... Uh, so, the the premise of Tall Girl is... Is it Tall Girl? <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's one of these... It's, it reminds me of, of all these uh, comedies, high school romantic comedies in recent years of, of a student having to overcome something huge to, like, find happiness and find huge. love. And you have, Tall like... Girl. And you have... I don't know, like, Love, Simon was a movie where, you know, it was him struggling with coming out. And you have other movies with, with struggling with being Asian, real, I don't know, more real problems in my opinion. And then we have Tall Girl, yeah. whose major hurdle in life is that she's six foot one and beautiful. She's really good at making it over major hurdles. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. She gets. I don't know. It's it's. It was hard for me to buy the movie. I feel like that though wouldn't. I feel like a movie could have that plot and be good. It could be. Yeah. But the problem is when it compares it itself, it's it's what people complain about with The Star is Born. They're like, oh, I can't believe she thinks she's ugly. Right. Like that complaint, it's like, no, I totally hear you. She thinks she's ugly because of her nose, but she's obviously beautiful. Right. It's with this tall girl problem, quote unquote. She's like, high school's so hard, I'm so tall, everyone calls me a freak. It's like, your problem isn't that you're tall. Isn't that you think you're ugly? Isn't that you think the tallness makes you ugly? Your problem is that there are fucking bullies at your school. Yeah, your yeah. problem is you're in high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the problem of the movie isn't that it tries to make that a universal appeal, but it tries to make it a uniquely tall girl problem when, and like compares herself to like the other people who have like real traditionally bullied about differences. And she's like, yeah, I'm in the same boat as them. And it's like, I really don't think you are. Yeah. I think that, that a more adept screenwriter could have done a better job making that feel more true, but it fucking didn't. In this or if, if this were more... I almost wonder if this was written as a vehicle for her in some way because she's just a naturally tall actress or something. Maybe. Because if you hired someone who... If you hired someone like a young uh, Brienne of Tarth type, someone who is hulking and massive and, you know, not traditionally, conventionally beautiful, it would have been a little more effective. I would have had a little more, you know, I would have felt a little more for this character having to deal with their 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 size. Right. But instead, she's just kind of tall and she's real pretty. Right. Yeah, not even, like, monstrously tall. Yeah. No, it's 6'1". Yeah. It's, yeah, I wish if she I, was, like, 6'9". Right. I'd be like, I mean, that's more of a... Story. I I went to high school with like a few girls who were over six foot tall. Yeah, there were girls in high school taller than me for sure. Yeah. But I mean, this goes to the thing. Like all movies don't need to be about right. some crazy shit. Right. And everybody's problems are their own, and they can be as bad or as not bad as they are to that person. So again, I don't want to like show the plot too much, even though I haven't seen it. I'm sure the movie's got awful, but it's pretty bad. <clears throat> I feel like it's probably a writing thing more than it is a mm-hmm. plot thing. What's the name of the club that her parents try to get her to join? All full of tall people. I don't remember. I tried to remember. Reach for the stars. Club. No, they're called. <laughs> they're called like the the tip toppers or something. Okay, and it's <laughs> real interesting. That just seems like bullshit, though. Yeah, like, does that even exist? That doesn't exist. No. Probably, probably exists. club for tall people. I bet it exists. Me and you would have. Heard How it. would y'all not have gotten like a letter, or <laughs> like a secret invite? <laughs> well, guys, sorry, Brent, TJ. Now's the time I want to tell you. I am the Chapter president for <laughs> the Greater Metro Atlanta area, East yeah. Metro Tall Dip Toppers. <laughs> Reach for the stars. Though. Who are her parents? I remember her parents are famous. People. Steve Zahn. Oh, I like him. That's and why we ended up watching Steve Zahn. Is it? Yeah, I forget great. who her mom was. Is it? Uh, it's Angela Kinsey, right? Yes. Kinsey? yes. Yeah. Yes. I don't know who that is. It's Angela from The Office. Mm. So. Okay. I don't know. It, it's not just the plot. The plot is not the only issue that I have with the movie. It's just right. everything else as well. It's all really bad. Like, the decisions that get made, The some stuff is kind of creepy for 2019 in that movie, and I don't know. It's not one I'd recommend. It was a bad week to decide, hey, let's see what's new on Netflix. Um, Those weeks are often bad. Sometimes they're fun. Yeah. yeah. So that rom-com me and David watched this year came out early. It was like the couple trying to get their bosses to meet. Their bosses were Lucy Liu and Tay Diggs. Yeah. I was like, this movie's cute. Yeah. 
Or, I mean... But that's, like, know, one out of every ten. Yeah, like, <laughs> to all the boys I've ever loved before. Yeah, is, I, yeah, I yeah. Movie. love yeah. that movie. Well, that's a bummer. You watched another Netflix original, I though. did, and... Uh, it was I'm better, gonna have, I'm gonna have... It's definitely better. <laughs> that is... Tall Girl is probably the worst movie of 2019. Were you I watching a bunch of tall things on Netflix? No, why? Uh, tall Grass came out. I watched In the Tall Grass, and I was uh, wondering if you were going to talk oh, about fuck. it. Oh, fuck. I'm excited to hear about it. Yes. I watched In the Shadow of the Moon. So did I. Oh. Yeah, yeah let's talk. talk about that oh, first. Oh, listen. <laughs> so, do you know anything about this? I've TJ? never heard of it. Okay, it's a story about a cop obsessively trying to track a serial killer uh, over 30 years or so. Yeah. Uh, Interesting. And he realizes fairly early in the movie that the serial killer is traveling through time. And is traveling through time, kind of like in Doctor Who with River Song, is traveling through time backwards from how he's experiencing it. Okay. So the first time they meet is, according to a conversation that they have, is like the last time that she knows that she's going to see him. Okay. Yeah. Serial killer is a young woman. And uh, it starts in 1988. Yeah. When he's a young cop. Billy! And... It's, uh, you know, based on what I just said, it sounds like, I mean, it's, it's a, kind of a really cool idea for a movie. Yeah. And I just was a little pretty underwhelmed with the execution. Yeah. Yeah. There's, it's, it is a, it is a big mystery of, and I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're going through with the main character of trying to figure out like, what the fuck is going on? What, like, why is this person traveling through time? Like, what is, the, what is the, also, like, the nexus of this? Yeah. Like, and, and that question is very interesting, but the answer every time you jump in time and have encounters between him and her is <clears throat> less and less interesting, but their relationship, I think, becomes more interesting. Yeah. So, the actual, like, interpersonal plot and the acting there is good, but it just, it drags for me. Yes. And then the, the big reveal is just kind of like, okay. Yes. Yeah. The, I, I kind of, and I don't, I don't typically hold it against a movie when I see something coming, but I kind of saw the end of this movie, uh, coming from a, a while away. Yeah. And it was, uh, I don't know. A little underwhelming, like I said. I think that's the, the best way I can sum it up. It's If you like the sound of a movie like that, it's not a bad way to spend your time. It's not a completely disappointing movie. Right. Um, it's not a bad... It's not an awful movie. But it's a little below average, I think, for me. It's a cool idea, which is enough to watch it for me, but it's it's just it's not that good. So, so for me, as somebody who is welcoming you into the fold of, like watching Netflix original sci-fi movies, this is about par. Okay. From all the stuff that I've seen that are that, like, obviously some writer, director, producer had an interesting idea. They got a pretty impressive budget for it. Yeah. And they got some talent to be in it. Uh, The guy who plays the lead is the white cop from Narcos. I don't remember his name. I was looking it up, but I figure I just won't. Um, There was somebody else I I knew in this movie... Um, is it better or worse than I Am Mother? I was thinking about I Am Mother. I I liked I Am Mother more, but I would say they're similar. Have you seen I Am Mother yet? I haven't yet, no. I Am Mother was very average for a Netflix original. I liked it more than you did, so you might like this. You you definitely have a better shot of liking this more than I Am Mother. Um, there's that other sci-fi. You remember that early Netflix sci-fi movie with uh, uh, Jason Siegel? Um, about the time travel, Robert Redford. Yeah, and no, uh, it's about death, proving the a- yeah, afterlife, and uh, Rooney Mara. Yeah, again, a great idea for a movie that just it two and a half three star movie. The there. execution yeah. was just yeah. like, eh, okay, and, yeah. and see, then when you go to like what happened to Monday, like I thought that was a great movie. That was Monday was good. Never yeah. saw that. Yeah, it was really good. It was Michael C. Hall's the other guy. Michael C. Hall is the most recognizable person and in so, this movie. I, the name Boyd Holbrook was in my mind, but Boyd Holbrook sounds like a cop name, so I didn't want to say that was the actor name. So Boyd Holbrook and Michael C. Hall. So like they've got people who've been in stuff. Other than that, it's just a bunch of beautiful people, which like yeah. His partner is a guy who's been a character actor in a lot of movies over the years, but I, I don't know his name. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's 
if that sounds like it's something that's up your alley, sure, watch it. Play play a iPad game while yeah. you're watching it. Yeah, Bokeem Woodbine. Yeah. Um, One of those faces where you'd recognize him from, neat, from being in stuff. Oh, yeah. That guy. He's a bad guy. Very frequently. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, wish I had more, you know... Positive results from my Netflix dive this week. No, but, no, no, it's so rare to have like a Gerald's game. Yeah, where it's yeah. like it was a four and a half star movie or something. Yeah. So, all right, I think that's it for me. So, Chris, what you been watching? Yeah, this actually works out well because I was um <clears throat> going to talk about uh, In the Shadow of the Moon as the first movie this month that I watched on a personal project where I'm going to try and watch. A horror movie for every day of October. It did, Were you thinking it might be a horror movie? Because I, I kind of thought that too when I turned it on. Yeah. By the way, that title is real bad for that movie. I don't understand what, like... Because they, they tried to tie it into the time travel. Right. The mechanics of that, but that's the clunkiest part of that movie is trying to explain the mechanics of the time travel and then the, the scientist who figures it all out and everything. Yeah. It made no sense to me, and it's to tie the title into that is just I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I also just like there's one one-off conversation where they talk about how important the moon is for the sustainability of life on Earth, and I'm just right. like, okay, like what does this conversation have to do with anything? Right. It was really weird. I kept thinking that is she going to be a werewolf at some point, <laughs> but no. Um. So yeah, so I watched, uh, yeah, I think it was in Netflix right now, so like, Hulu's got Huluween, and <laughs> like, you know, Amazon Prime doesn't play games, so it doesn't have a cute category name, but Netflix has got Netflix and Chills, <laughs> and this was in, in that, so I was like, eh, it's a horror movie. <clears throat> and Crackle's got, hey, we're still here too! <laughs> <laughs> and that's the most terrifying thing about it. Uh, but the next movie I watched is... Uh, Definitely more in the horror movie vein. It is a movie called Emily from 2015. Emily? E-M-E-L-I-E. Ah. It is about a... Oh, Amelie. We uh, we watched this. Yeah, it's about a babysitter who murders a family's uh, typical babysitter and tries to ingratiate herself in the lives of the three kids... Uh, who live there and does just psychologically really fucked up stuff to them. Oh, wow. Uh, it is a very interesting movie. Uh, very uncomfortable at times. Where uh, the titular Emily at one point finds the parents' uh, sex tape and plays it for the young girl and two young boys How young? as like a movie night. What's the ages of the kids? Like eight, six, oh. and four. Oh, um, old enough to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, sorry, it's four, nine, and eleven. Ooh, worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's kind of about this, like this twisted woman's uh, obsession with primarily the four-year-old um, young boy. Uh, it's revealed at some point that she's, you know. Surprise, surprise, uh, has, you know, mental instability problems and uh, was, you know, broke out of some kind of, like, treatment. Um, but it's a, it's a really icky movie to watch. But is it good? Um, oh, it's, it's, you know, we come across this question a lot when movies just make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um where I didn't enjoy watching it, uh, but I did think that it was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there are a couple of scenes in it that are wildly uncomfortable. Like, you know, when she first gets there, she's this attractive young woman, and the 11-year-old boy is like, ooh, attractive young woman is giving me attention. And then, like, she's, like, going to the bathroom, and he kind of walks by and, like, sees her through the crack of the door. And she calls his name and is like, no, come in here. And she just, like, is still sitting there. And she's like, will you hand me a tampon? And he's like, what's that? And gets it for her. And then she like puts it in with him in the room. And he like tries to leave and she's like, no, 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 stay. So it's like, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but I think it's well done. Um, the ending is kind of 
you know, kind of ends with a whisper, but, you know, that's fine. You know, not, not every, not every conceit for a movie can be fully fleshed out from start to finish, and I think this one just kind of faded as it went on. Uh, yeah, there's, there's like a weird, like, cliffhanger, like, it might make an Emily 2, uh, but... No. <laughs> no. Um, but it was okay. Um, and compared to In the Shadow of the Moon, so far, my winner of Spooktober is In the Shadow of the Moon. Okay. Uh, but then I watched another movie, a movie I hadn't heard of, which is, you know, not that rare, but... Pretty strange. Yeah. Uh, but it is a movie starring Leslie Bibb and Bradley Cooper and Brooke Shields. It's the Midnight Meat Train. Yeah, we've watched this, I was going to say. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Big Shields is in there? Yeah, she's the art uh, art dealer. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And uh, Vinny... Vinny Jones. Vinny yeah, Jones. Vinny Jones. Yeah. So, I've watched this. I've watched it, yeah. It's, it's a bizarre little movie. It's a, it's a <laughs> weird but good movie. It is based off a Clive Barker short story from like the late 80s. Mm-hmm. It was... I honestly, Very like short story yeah. story. Yeah. Like, it fits in a short story. Thing. I, I think... Like... There is a a there is a collection of movies that are horror movies that big name actors starred in before they like really hit their stride, uh-huh. or where they made the horror movie thinking like, oh, this is going to be like a, a money maker who gives a shit if anyone likes it. Yeah, because suggested after this to me were movies such as In the Layer of the White Worm, starring Hugh Grant, which I know <laughs> nothing about, but I stopped on it because of the title. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, Midnight Meat Train's good. It's uh, it's fun. The, the reason it fits a short story is because in books you don't, you can't generate enough like care for the main character. So when he ends up just having to be the guy who feeds the monster, right? You don't care in a short story. Yeah, um, but it, was, it was a weird fucking movie though. Lots of blood. Yeah, <laughs> lots of blood, but not the kind that like makes. I didn't really feel anything for it because the violence is so over the top. It was definitely made in the heyday of 3D movies. Yeah. Because there's like a scene where someone gets hit in the back of the head with a hammer and the eye pops towards the screen and it's like, all right. <laughs> Kelly was walking by inside and she was like, oh, gross, what are you watching? And I told her the Midnight Meat Train and she thought that I was lying. Uh, that sounds kind of porny. It is one of the dumbest names. Uh, yeah. I kind of appreciate but it. But in a good way. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I, th- I thought it was like pretty entertaining. I thought the that the, there was there was just enough of the plot to justify the horror that I was cool with any like holes in judgment or reasoning by the characters. Yeah, it's a total fantasy too. So yeah, um, Bradley Cooper's good in it. Uh, Vinnie Jones is I think good in it, although he doesn't have any lines because as soon as like he like bumps into someone and doesn't say anything, I look at Kelly and I go, "Oh, they ripped his tongue out." She's like, who did? I'm like, I don't know. But someone did. <laughs> Whatever he's doing this for. She was like, okay. Whatever's happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of a... Uh, if there was a category at Amazon Prime, like there is on uh, Netflix for like hidden gems, I say check it out. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not going to like surprise you at how good it is, but it'll... it'll it'll It's unexpectedly good. My first experience with Midnight Meat Train is like 2008 when we... Had cable because we had five people living in our house or whatever in Athens, and uh, the Comcast like remember back when it was like blue and yellow font, yeah, and it'd be in the top left, and it was like it was just like Midnight Meat Train starring Bradley Cooper, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> it's like did they mess up the name? <laughs> yeah. um, Bradley Cooper in a softcore porn. <laughs> so that Meat Train. What's weird is the same. That was the same director who did Sky High. I've seen that. Oh wait, no, that's no, a manga. No, sky. yeah, the 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 director for this did some cult uh, Japanese movies like Versus and Alive, both of which I've seen. I don't expect anyone here has seen them, but they're like super over the top, like action zombie okay. blood gore movies. That makes more sense. Yeah, um, it's his first English language film. Uh, Ryushei, Ryu, I, I'm Ryuhei Kitamura. There you go. Um, but yeah, surprisingly good. Um, even though I said it wouldn't surprise you. And then the other one that I watched, uh, I don't know why I didn't communicate with you guys that I was going to watch it, because you guys are the, what do you call Stephen King fans? If, if people who like Harry Potter are Potterheads, what are you guys? I don't know. Idiots. Idiots, <laughs> Idiots yeah. Weirdos. Um, but so I watched the, uh, the newly released uh, 
movie in the tall grass. Yeah, we're I'm, I'm excited to see it. We talked, me and Brent talked about it last night a little bit. Yeah, it's um, I don't want to talk too much about it then. I mean, I know that it's it's based on a story written by Stephen King's son and co-written yeah. uh, with him. The story's good. Yeah, it is an interesting. I I imagine it is an in- interesting translation into a movie because at the heart of it. The premise of the movie is people are stuck in the tall grass and they're trying to find each other. Yes. And. Seems like it would make a bad movie. It's. <laughs> so for the first 45 minutes, it's that. It's people walking around the tall grass yelling each other's names and not finding each other. Yeah. So it's like. Have you watched the trailer? Mm-hmm. So you don't know anything about it except it's called that and it's Stephen King. And the, dis- the, like, the blurb description. Okay. All right. Right. And so. Once you get over that hump of the irritating nature of just what the plot necessitates, Jimmy! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it gets uh, more interesting. Yeah, and it makes sense in a story because it's all in a short story because it's all like inner dialogue. Right. That never translates to a movie because then they're walking around talking out loud and that looks stupid. I, I actually I actually would find it harder to believe that this would translate to a book. I. I don't understand how many adjectives and descriptions for being in tall grass can there can be. Ninety eight percent what's going on in people's minds. Yeah, yeah. If, if it's all just like internalizing like despair and hopelessness <laughs> and all this, that stuff. If this were written by George R. Martin, yeah, it would be insufferable. That's the thing. It's written well. Thankfully, it's written by Stephen King's son. But like one of the criticisms of Stephen King is that he doesn't paint a scene that well. But if he's not painting the scene, but is painting the person, then totally fine. Totally get it. Oh my god, I read The Institute, which is his newest like full-length novel, and I went from my house to my job, which, from like walking out of my... getting in my car and cranking in the car, getting into my office is about an hour and 30 minutes. And in that time, the main character went from one side of a fence to the other side of the fence. <laughs> I was like, this is the most Stephen King thing ever. Um, I moved two feet in an hour and a half. So obviously, supernatural stuff happens, and that's where kind of the movie like kicks off into something interesting. Yeah. Um, and they tease it early on that there's something weird happening, um, which uh, is effective. Um, but that 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 first act is just so hard of a hurdle. Yeah. Um, and then, like at the end of the movie, I, I'm I'm left asking myself the question if I would recommend it to someone. And I think I would only recommend it to people who are in for a Stephen King type story, where it's more than just describing it as everything is not as it seems, but then everything that wasn't as it seemed, there's still more that isn't as it seems. Yeah, it's the Gerald's Game thing. The tall guy's real, right? It's like she's crazy. There's a ghost thing that he's hallucinating, but actually he's a serial killer. Yeah. And I know that Brent is t- t- tuning me out right now because he doesn't want to hear extra details about this movie he wants to see. Oh, no. no okay. No, I'm listening. You saw Gerald's getting there, right? Yep. Very okay, good. I was like, sorry! <laughs> but. You know, as I get older, I, I feel like I'm veering more towards David when it comes to spoilers anyway, where as long as it's not... Uh, I don't know. That would be a spoiler for Gerald's game. Though, if it's not a movie that really hinges on the spoiler. Like, I don't want to hear who did it in the, uh, you know, the murder on the Orient Express. or whatever. Knives out. That would be, that would disappoint me if I heard who the killer was. But But I think for Gerald's game, too, like, it would not be spoiled if uh, you told me she got away. Right. But I would be spoiled for me. I'd be like, damn it, it would have been fun to realize that the bullshit she was hallucinating was real. Right, sure. because that that is so key to all of the tension. Right, which is why the stuff that I'm that I'm leaving out in this description is I'm leaving out the things that make it tense. Um, yeah, sure. You know that they're lost in the tall grass. Like you get that from the title, um, but just generally, my feeling about it is I don't know if the rest of the movie is worth the thirty to forty five minutes no, of a bunch of idiots wandering around in tall grass yelling each other's names, not being able to find each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I don't love the cast, but I don't hate him either. So. Yeah, I like Patrick Wilson. He's, he's, really he's okay. He, it just comes and goes with him for me. Sometimes yeah. he's great. Sometimes he annoys me. He's. I think he's good in this. Cool. Um, the director, I don't know. He's a great director for this. He's done uh, basically all sci-fi, but he did Cube and Splice. Um, Is Cube 
the movie with all the cubes, or is Cube the Jennifer Lopez movie? Cube is the Canadian thriller with all the cubes, a bunch of rooms. With, the, with the rooms inside the yeah. giant cube. The cell, the maybe? cell is the Jennifer cell. Lopez with Vincent Shitty D'Onofrio. Horror me. Yeah. Shitter horror me, shitty horror movie. <laughs> Shitter horror me, you barely know me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. That's what I watched. I don't really want to talk about the TV show that I watched because I feel like I've got a deaf audience, not just here, but I watched another like cooking show on Netflix. Um, well, tell me about it real quick. What was it? We like okay. cooking shows. <laughs> I watched a... Don't, don't do it, Chris. I watched a show called Million Pound Menu. All right. Boring. Boring. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, think, Shark Tank meets uh, Top Chef. So... In a, in a single episode... Intriguing. Yeah. it's It starts with a boardroom of investors uh, hearing hard pitches from restaurants about their idea to, you know, open up a restaurant based on what they've done. And then the from that, they select two who then have pop-up shops in Manchester for three days. The first day, they do a full dinner service. The second day, the investors come and have a private lunch. And the third day, the investors are present during a, uh, a, soft. a another a soft launch service. And then they have business meetings the, the night of the second day. And then by the end of the third day, the investors have a time limit. If they show up, they decide if they want to invest money into their business to open up a restaurant or they just, like, provide guidance or whatever. Do they only... Do they... Can they pick both? Or no, do they the only investors, pick one? The investors can't pick both, but it's not like a cabal. It's their individual people who work for different companies who decide uh, which idea they're interested in of the two that are highlighted per episode. Do they have to pick one? No, they don't. Okay. So in one of the episodes, four investors are, are interested in an idea, and only one is in, interested in another idea. Okay. So then four of them go. Sometimes it's two and two. Sometimes it's... But there always is at least one investor who likes the idea enough to physically go to the soft launch. And at yeah. least be nice. Right. Yeah. Neat. Um, that does sound, it's, yeah, it's sounds a, fun. It's a What's great background show. It's on Netflix. Okay, cool. Great background show. Um, and the guy who runs so, it... So Shark Tank is. Yeah. <laughs> great background. It's indeed. called the Million Pound Meat Train. What is it? <laughs> the Million million Pound Menu. Menu. Um, yeah, and the guy who runs it is a guy named Fred... Uh, British. Yeah, British. He's... I think he's Belgian, uh, but he's got the most interesting accent because it sounds like French mixed with Scottish or Welsh. Um, but he's like the most positive fucking dude on the planet. And I love seeing that in shows where an American show version of it would make them like compete and like fight with knives before <laughs> they got investments. But it's cool because some of the people who like, hey, we've been running this pop-up tent in London, like right around where people work. And uh, we've been running it for the past three weeks or not three weeks, but like past like six months. And we're doing pretty well, and we're looking to open a restaurant, and one of the investors will be like, here's what we're going to offer you. We're going to offer you 7 million pounds, and we're going to open a chain of these. And it's just like, holy shit, you're actually watching these people's lives change. Um, so it's pretty cool. I feel like it'd be, it'd be fun to have Paul Hollywood on there, <laughs> and he's willing to invest a handshake when he likes when he really likes it, and that's all he's willing to do. Yeah, I love seeing people like cry over getting a handshake from Paul. It was the most satisfying thing. It was. It's funny after the most recent episode, of, it's just like gives him a smile, puts his hand out, and they're like, "Oh my god!" And then the other people are like, "You did it! You did it! You, you touched yeah. it!" Chris, this is the first thing I ever heard about uh, that show, and it was Chris being like. They're so supportive. It's so sweet. And it is by far the best part of that show. Yeah. Just how everybody is friends with everybody else. In the most recent episode, uh, somebody's showstopper, so their third bake of the day, uh, Paul really likes it. And it's so after the tent, after that, they do the debrief where they talk amongst themselves about who's generally on the top, who's generally on the bottom. And uh, (laughs) uh, Sandy is like, Paul, you almost gave her a handshake over uh, over that showstopper. And everyone's like, yeah, well, I mean, it was really good. Not sure if it was quite handshake-worthy. It's like, all right, guys, we need to stop treating this as, like, the big prize because you actually have big prizes you give out at the end of every episode and then at the end of the season. Right. And it's and the end of the season winner is not who got the most handshakes. Right. Um, but GBBO, this is a good season. Not great, but it's good. Fun. That's me. Cool. I got a couple of movies and a couple of TV shows. Uh, don't have a ton to say about really any of it, but... I'll give it a go, because that's why we're here. 
Uh, movies I watched. I watched this actually a few weeks ago, and I've just been trying to trim my watch list as best I can per episode for weeks like this. When I didn't actually watch anything. But I watched uh, Tim Burton's Dumbo. Anybody seen it yet? No. It's it's good. If you listen to film spotting, it is going to sound like I'm ripping them off, but it is 100% accurate in what they said about Dumbo. So I want to echo that to our listeners if they don't listen to film spotting, which is the first half of that movie is Dumbo, the classic cartoon. Yeah. When I watched it, I was like, oh, fucking cool. There's an hour left. I don't know what they're going to do. So we'll we'll go from there and hope that it's something cool. And they did they did not know where to go after they went through the first like classic Dumbo part. It it, it it went through all the shit and then they bring in like a rich guy who's gonna take him to pretty much bring in Walt Disney as a villain. Yeah. And wants to bring Dumbo to the Magic Kingdom and make a bunch of money off of him and give all the circus people and freaks a home and give them a bunch of money and he essentially says well uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you out with a contract you signed after like one day right and y'all are all homeless now and y'all have some money but not a lot then I'm keeping the elephant and then there's like a breakout um, Eva Green's pretty good Colin Farrell's okay the kids kind of suck Dumbo looks cool alright um, do you get any songs from the old Dumbo? So you do get a full-on uh, March of the Big Elephants. Okay. Like animated on top of live-action stuff. The, the acid trip part of the original Dumbo, if you've seen it. Yeah, the iconic Dumbo part. Where it's fucking, like, yeah. this is fucking weird. Did he bring back the racist birds? No. Oh. Animals are not anthropomorphic ever. Oh, except Dumbo. But his face is... I mean, no. I mean, kind of, but not not like unrealistically. Okay. Well, I'm curious, because that, that's one of the biggest complaints with the live-action Lion King, is that, that there was... They're too realistic. There, is that there's no no palette, really, for expression. You can tell when he's sad or okay. happy, but mostly in, like, is he crying? You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Now, I'm sure elephants do cry, but I don't think you can look at him and tell. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when I see an elephant cry. This is what it sounds like when elephants cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's you know, kind of worth a watch. Okay, it's uh, above average for the Disney live action remix. Okay, sure. okay. Um, I think I gave it three and a half stars, maybe on Letterboxd. Oh, wow. Uh, just because the effects are really cool and. And for that first hour, it tells the nostalgic story that helps. And it gets you excited enough for the last hour. Because you're like, oh, they they blew through the first part. It's at least an interesting concept to be like, okay, how can we make a, do a remake that serves the original and also does something new? Because the first one's barely a fucking story. Right. Yeah. It is, this elephant can fly and they're mean to the mom, and then... They're mean to him. Then they're mean to him, and then they stop being mean to him. (laughs) Um... But yeah, it's good. I can't remember the favorite. My favorite actor uh, was definitely the villain, and I keep in my head now wanting to say it's Christoph Waltz, and it's not. Colin Firth? No, Colin. Colin Farrell's the lead. Okay. Christoph for Grace, protagonist, <laughs> playing David. Duke. Um, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. That's <laughs> why it's good because it's Michael Keaton. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dan Vito plays the church owner who plays like a hard good guy. Um, cares about his people, but is kind of a dick. Yeah. But Michael Keaton's a villain and he's great. Even Green plays his wife who ends up like being on the side of the kids in Dumbo. Right. Um, I kind of like her and everything. So. Um, yeah. I, I would recommend Dumbo especially if you're like a Disney fan. It is not as good as Jungle Book but it's better than everything else. It's, it's not going to sway the haters who say why is Disney making live action versions of everything. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit worse than Aladdin but not by a lot. Okay. How's the um, sorry one more Dumbo question. Yeah yeah. yeah. Uh, how how is the Tim Burton aspect of it? Very unburton. Good. Yeah. As someone uh, who has a bias against, I'm happy to hear that. It's a circus with a sideshow, so the Burton is built in. Right. He didn't need to turn up the Burton any, and he didn't. Nice. Um. Yeah, I wouldn't even call it a Tim Burton movie. It wouldn't jump out to me. I would not guess it was Tim Burton after watching it. Uh, Unless you found out that like Dumbo was actually just played by Johnny Depp in makeup. And the mother elephant was Helena Bottom Carter. 
That's true. There's no Helena Bonham Carter in it, which is strange. Which means it's not a Tim Burton movie. Right. <laughs> if, if neither of them are in it, it can't be a Tim Burton movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, also watched a definite candidate for bottom five at the end of the year for me. Uh, I watched Dark Phoenix. Uh, and it is just as fucking bad as everybody said it was. So, Brent, I don't know if you'd seen it. I know that Al was talking about it. I have not. Okay. Yeah, neither. Right? No. I'm, I'm really curious to know. Like, I, You know, I never want to just, like, surround the dead horse and have everyone take turns kicking it. Yeah. But, like, one-on-one, I want to hear, like, why this is so bad. Yeah, I was never going to not watch it. Right. I mean, I'm still going to watch it. I'm going right. to give them their money. Right. So, I'm going to teach that film studio a bad lesson. <laughs> I've heard it's bad, and I'm still going to support it with my capitalist dollars. I think we can go ahead and decide now. Sophie Turner is only good at playing her character on Game of Thrones. Okay, she is fucking so bland and boring. Um, felt like Jennifer Lawrence was just like phoning in, like I'm done with this fucking shit. Yeah, you know, I kind of, I kind of get that from Jennifer Lawrence in like forty percent of her movies, and then the other sixty percent, she's really, really good. Yeah, I kind of got that from her in Red Sparrow, and Red Sparrow's like a really like rough, yeah. emotional, physical, de- physically demanding performance, and it still she seemed like she was like, eh, whatever, like give me that money. Yeah, great mother. Though. She's fantastic, <laughs> and she's capable of absolute greatness. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Fastbender's bad. Aww. It's hard to get Fastbender to be bad. That's a bummer. I loved... Yeah, I, I never saw the snowman. He's bad, but it sucks for him. Because he's, all right, so there's... So, Dark Phoenix makes a bad mistake that she thinks she can't come back from. She goes looking for Magneto, who has been given a compound on an island in the Caribbean where he can live and the government won't fuck with him because he saved him from the Cuban Missile Crisis in right. Days Future Past. No, in the other one. First class. Yeah. Yeah. And she goes there to seek his help. She wants to, like, be a refugee mutant with him. And right. he's like, you got to get the fuck out of here. I don't know. These are my people, and they're all scared of you because you're super powerful now. Yeah. Whatever. And she beats his ass in a little fight. He's trying to get the... The government comes to him looking for her, and he gets the government away, and they fight, and she beats the shit out of Magneto. And immediately, he decides, after she finds out that she did something that pisses him off in the early parts of the film that he's gonna go find her and kill her after he just got his ass kicked by her like she decides that she kicks his ass she leaves he finds out that he's really upset about he discovers information that makes him very upset at her and decides he's gonna go kill her oh he decides it yes oh that's disappointing after he just got his ass kicked and she shows like how powerful she is right shows that she cannot be defeated essentially yeah so it's just they probably do a bad job of showing it, but but Magneto in the movies, I think, canonically is more powerful when he is angry. Yes, sure. But from the depiction of Dark Phoenix and her powers, I bet still it is a, a decision that makes zero fucking sense. Yeah, and not the, end, not the end game of the movie, but he finds her, and then she kicks his ass again. Yeah. Just the same as she did the first time. So it's just... Yeah. A, a lot of it felt phoned in. McAvoy was pretty good, but like... Nicholas Holt wasn't that good. Oh. Yeah, it's just... And then the whole plot of the movie is just shit. It's just bad. <laughs> Fucking Amy Adams is awful. Well, Amy just, Adams is in it. She's the main villain. Who's tired of... Uh... The alien who comes to, like... What? Take Dark Phoenix's powers. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. It was bad. Very bad movie. Yeah, I they just they need a reboot. They're done. They, they apocalypse followed by that, which is like they had so much steam going on these X Men movies, and then I think they kind of felt like they just needed to like keep it going, like keep shoveling coal into the furnace, and they ran out a little I, bit when it came to interesting stories because it's they they fell into that superhero trap of like, well, who's the next villain and who's the next villain, and they're like, well, apocalypse can be the next villain, but apocalypse. In the movies, not that interesting. So this is what I think happened with that whole franchise. I think they made First Class, and it was received so much better than X2 and X3 were, 
that they were like, we've done it. And I don't think that movie's that good. I think it's severely overrated. I think it's severely overrated too. I'm, and then they I'm made sure and then they made Days of Future Past, and they were it was great. It made a bunch of money, but you had fucking Hugh Jackman acting his ass off as Wolverine for most. That's the it's a Wolverine movie. You, you it's not an X Men movie. You took the casts, the best actors from First Class and the best actors from the original series of of X Men, the Brian Singer X Men, and you put them all in a movie, and you went. This is our product, and how could that fail? Right. Like, you took, like, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart and James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender and fucking Hugh Jackman. Yeah. And that's your movie. Yeah. And you add Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. So, yeah, that movie's great. And I think, but I think they have too much smoke blown up their ass with First Class. I don't think it's good. I think it's average. Right. It's better than two and three, yes, but it's not good. I also, like, I, I think that the, 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 the best part of X Men Apocalypse is Michael Fassbender in Russia, is Magneto yeah, those, in Russia. Those good. The emotional notes that they do with that character, and it sounds like they try and prey off of that a little in Dark Phoenix by giving him his own compound and making him the isolationist as opposed to the old warmonger we're used to from the Brian Singer movies. And he's got a community that he like of like renegade mutants that they, he's trying to help. Yeah. There's, I mean, hundreds of mutants on this lot. Are they called the Morlocks? I don't know. Okay. Wouldn't wouldn't know if that's okay. a or not. So I don't know. That franchise, I think, got a got a little. I think it thought it was doing better than it was. I agree. And I think most of that's due to Hugh Jackman being a great Wolverine. I mean, how bad like Wolverine Origins is is watchable because Hugh Jackman's in it. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm but, sorry, buddy. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have anything invested. Like we've got a buddy who's was super upset that it sucked. Right. I don't care. It's a movie. Right. Some movies are bad, but and when I watched this, I was like, well, I, I bet I like it better than some people. And about twenty minutes into it, I was like, nope, <laughs> this <laughs> movie sucks. Didn't they? They is Dark Phoenix kind of the story that they tried a, like a bit of in Last Stand as well. Yeah, it, very loosely. Yeah, it's the same. Gene accidentally killed Professor X. Gene, uh, Gene becomes too powerful to control her. She can't control her powers anymore. I'm sorry. I'm not saying that happens in Dark Phoenix. No. I'm saying that like that scene from Last Stand is Dark Phoenix. Is that part of? Is that like yes. her being Dark? Yes, Phoenix? I'm saying the only Dark Phoenix. the only part that is similar is she gets power she can't control. Okay, right. But between the two movies. But, yeah. but, so sad. but there is a strong hint in The Last Stand that that is the Dark Phoenix power. Okay. Even though the, I don't think they ever call it the Dark Phoenix power in Last Stand. I don't think they call it the Dark Phoenix in this one. But they talk about <laughs> aliens and, and like yeah, a, yeah, a crystal yeah, yeah. and yeah. stuff. It's solar flare. Oh, well. It's it's one of those weird, like, like <laughs> with Spider-Man reboots, why they have to keep doing the great power comes great responsibility. Like, how many times do we have to kill Uncle Ben? I feel like at... at, at the, the terminus of all X-Men franchises is always Dark Phoenix Saga. Because the run in the comic books was so successful and so well-liked that filmmakers look at it and go, well, we've got to tell that story. Mm-hmm, and right. then every time they try to, they fuck it up. Right. But. Enough shit on X-Men for this episode. <laughs> Watched a couple of TV shows. Uh, last week I talked about Undone mm-hmm. on Amazon. I finished it. Um... One of the best things I've seen on TV in a long time. Can't recommend it enough. Y'all really need to sit down and watch it. Okay. Uh, less than four hours total for the whole season. And there's not going to be another one. So, it's essentially a three and a half hour movie. Okay. Cool. Um, just can't recommend it enough. Nothing like super new. Um, but just so good and well done and well acted and amazingly animated. Yeah, um, Million Pound Menu told me that you either have to uh, come up with a new idea that is intriguing... Or you do something basic and you execute perfectly. Definitely not basic. Um, I compared it a little bit to OA, season one. Okay. Um, but, yeah, get on Amazon and watch Undone. Uh, and then I finally got a free trial <laughs> for YouTube uh, and watched Cobra Kai. Um, a season and a half in to the two seasons that have been released. First season's great. Uh, yeah. They do a really fun job of splicing in memories to Johnny and Daniel from the original trilogy which is cool yeah like 
And the fact that they're, I don't know, it's a really cool idea if you can get those actors. And the fact that uh, Ralph Macchio went on to like act in stage and is talented. Yeah. Um, and never like had the bad path that a child star could have. And Johnny Lawrence, or Billy Zapka, William Zapka now, is good. He's a good actor and mm-hmm. has his shit together. Uh, they do a great job. It's super fun. I highly recommend it. They, they do a great, what would happen if they were adults. It, it seems realistic and not yeah. boring. And it's like a role swap between the two, right? So that's what I thought it was. That, that's what, so a friend of the show, Brian, has been trying to get me to watch Cobra Kai for the past like year and a half. Yeah. Like since the first season became available on YouTube Red. Yeah. And I was just been like, alright, yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. It's not a role swap. Okay. There's no villain. Okay. It is a show about miscommunication. And seriously, like sweep the like. What did you want me to sweep? Does he want me to sweep the floor or the or the leg? (laughs) So it it is them to like something bad will happen to one. Like graffiti will get painted on that sign or something, and they'll just assume because of past biases that it's the other. Okay. Um, They do kind of tell William Zabka is not a villain. Uh, Johnny Lawrence, played by William Zabka, is not a villain, but he is. they do do a little of the How I Met Your Mother Barney view, mm-hmm. where like he tells the story of what happened to him in high school, and he's like, this guy moved in on my girl, and you know, then I was like, I'd forgotten about him, I was done, and then all of a sudden he fucking turns the water hose on me at prom, or at the Halloween dance, or whatever, he's a fucking asshole, so I dealt with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, so he definitely like, covers it up a little bit, he's not like, me and my friend beat the shit out of him, he's like, I beat his ass. Yeah. Um... Because he was fucking with me and trying to steal my girlfriend and shit. So, yeah. Recommended. Yes. Does it have his old friends from the movie? Are they in the movie? Johnny Are they Lawrence's in the show? old friend? Yeah. No. Do they have that guy who's like, put him in a body bag, Johnny? No. <laughs> oh, man, that would be great. That would not be great. I bet that guy's not doing a whole lot. <laughs> Sorry. If I just insulted, I don't know, Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> he listens. Um... Yeah, no, there's, there's, there's. I know you were joking, but there's zero like. Let's put this in because people will like it. Yeah, it's not, it's non-existent. Cool. Um, yeah, as far as I can tell, there's only uh, three characters that have actually showed up, and then Elizabeth Shue's character is referenced, but I haven't seen her yet. Hmm. But they talk about her a lot. Does this also encompass the Swankoverse, or is it just? Yeah. The, no. Okay. Not yet. Okay. Jaden Smith shows up. <laughs> that would rule. <laughs> Jaden Smith comes, walks on with some like with just like a truckload of cardboard water and Jackie Chan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun. It's dragging a little now in season two because I think they made season one and they were like, oh, people like it, <laughs> and it's yeah. good. What do we do? <laughs> what do we do? <laughs> We've got to pay Billy Sapka. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I recommend it. It's it's a fun watch. And again, anything that. Any TV show now that's coming out with like 25 minute episodes, I'm just like, yes, thank yeah. you. So, uh, before we get to uh, Breezy, yeah, I got a, a Brent's tidbit. <laughs> Fucking thief. <laughs> better be good. Well, it better be about Survivor. <laughs> oh, yeah, we'll do that in a second. This is a follow up on our Paul Hollywood uh, discussion from earlier. Okay. Um, there was a 2018 Reddit investigation into uh, whether Paul Hollywood was giving out too many handshakes now. <laughs> and I found a graph on expected handshakes versus <laughs> actual handshakes uh, since Series 5. Because apparently Series 5 is when someone first made a big deal about getting a handshake from Paul Hollywood. Uh, and so he has been increasing the number every season. Like It, it grows more and more. As they say on Reddit, that Paul Hollywood's head expands every new season, <laughs> and he's so happy to uh, bestow handshakes on all these. I people. think there's broken data there, and that the show's getting bigger, and they're getting better bakers. Could be, hmm. yeah, more worthy. That's just the way Project Runway worked. Like right. you could see it getting better every season because the show got better and they had better people. Yeah, yeah. yeah I doubt on American Idol you have many William Hungs as much as that was a publicity stunt. Um, but by the end of that show, I think you were you were probably getting the people who were professional singers who were trying out for the seventh time, yeah. who were just finally getting their screen time. But I will have to say 
The amount of handshakes given out this season, I think so far there's only been two. Uh, maybe okay. maybe three. And we're six episodes in. All right. Okay. So. Maybe four total. We'll see. Yeah. We're, so we're, we're, maybe he runs. Also, they might go up there as the season goes along because the better bakers are remaining. Right. Although there, there, there was a big scandal after episode five where people were like, I think that they finally jumped the shark and they're keeping people on who are who are you know cute testing well because uh, uh, people went home who they were like if you look at where they placed in the showstopper the technical and the uh, the whatever the initial bake is called I forget um, but like they didn't send home the worst baker uh, um, just like objectively right I kind of lost a little bit of luster when Mary left too I liked her so much. Yeah, Prue's a Prue's a good replacement. She's, she's good. She's I, just, I miss Mary. Yeah, but anyway, we, do we want to talk about Survivor? We don't have to. I was just making a joke. No, I just mentioned kind of the the episode. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't that great, but uh, the best thing about the episode was that a different tribe won, so we got to see more of the other tribe. And yet again, somebody who's in charge when they wake up at six a.m. and say, "All right, well that's the easy move. Let's take a nap." They go home. Every fucking time. So, yeah. <laughs> Even people in charge don't nap on on, uh, Tribe tri- day. on tribal day. Fuck. Yeah. Although I did... Keep, l- sit there in your chair, if you want, and watch people. So here's, what, here's the thing. I don't understand why you would wake up and pitch the idea you want first thing. I would pitch the craziest fucking bullshit idea first thing in the morning. And then, later, close to tribal, be like, hey, let's just do the easy thing. Right. You want that to be the last thing you think of. Because as soon as you go like, all right, we have a base plan. Now let's just do that today. You give them all day to be like, well, what can we do besides that? Yeah. Which is what fucking happened. Yeah. Yeah. They kept He kept calling their alliance a secret alliance. And <laughs> the editing was great because it would show the three of them and everybody else. <laughs> like, eh. I was saying like, yeah, some secret alliance. But you're like, okay, serving number 18. <laughs> Somebody come talk to the secret alliance now. <laughs> I'm a little disappointed to see Molly go. I, I like she fucking deserved to, but then again, I think I'm going to feel that way about a lot of the cast this year. Yeah, she totally deserved to go. She so, played like shit that last day. Yeah, she didn't fucking play. Yeah, I, I I am want for a villain, and I don't know if there is the uh, the structure for one yet. Like I I really think that there needs to be two forces at odds mm-hmm. that we just. It's probably just too early. Yeah, um, you like. There's a, always a good like if mid season you can have someone has their comeuppance. That's always fun, right? Maybe Aaron, who's the uh, the guy who seemed real upset that a vote that the first vote didn't go his way. Yeah, yeah. Another stupid move. You can't go back and be like, I don't trust anybody. All the trust is out the window. It's like you can't win solo. Bro. No, there's yeah, a, there's a there's an obvious easy play there, and you go back and you're like. I get it. Ronnie rubbed me the wrong way, too. I just thought this was the only thing I yeah. could do. You don't, you don't even have to say that much. Right. You just go back and go, guys, I get it. We're good. I get it. Yeah. We're good. Let's move forward together. And then yeah. when someone pulls you aside, who you and them were like close, and says, like, hey, I just want to give you the opportunity to know that we had to keep you on the outs, and he's just like, I'm not talking to anyone. It's like, no, you should be like, up. you know what? Thank you for voting him out and not me. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's an yeah. interesting... You need friends. It's you can't win without them. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand why people lie. Literally every episode of Survivor that has ever aired has somebody lying to somebody else, or the show would be boring. Right. It happens every episode, <laughs> at a minimum of one time. So how are you upset when somebody lied to me? I can't fucking believe it. <laughs> like, fuck! Um, did you watch the show ever? Yeah. I think the next next week is going to be interesting when there when there becomes a confirmation of what Island of the Idols is about. So. Tribe one, right. who had a someone come back and lie about what it is, you know, you ju- we just at this point have to cross our fingers and hope that it's somebody who's allied with her. Otherwise, I think that is going to be an interesting rift. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, IOI, um, <laughs> it was so funny when uh, she just sits down. Kelly goes to Island of the Idols and sits down, and then Sandra just starts telling her her life story. And I think we could see what was happening. Yeah. But the looks on her face where she's just like, is this all this is? Do I just have to listen to these people? <laughs> just like hang out with them for yeah. an hour? This is, I am miserable. Uh, my only complaint, that her test was too easy. 
her test was easy, but she also bargained with them. Yeah. In a way that I think that, uh, um, that I keep forgetting the, the first woman's name. Who went Eileen? No, Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Where I think that Elizabeth's test would have been easier if she would have thrown back the first offer for the I, test. And I bet questions four and five were really fucking hard. Because yeah. question three was pretty fucking hard. Three got harder. The first two were pretty simple. I nailed it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's also because I knew exactly what was going on, and I wasn't right. stuck on an island for six days before. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's yeah, true. That is very true. <laughs> so I'm curious. I wonder if, if Elizabeth had been more resistant the first episode. I'm guessing Rob would have given her a head start, or maybe she could have. He's, he might have said, "What if you go up against Sandra instead?" Right. Which Sandra still would have housed her. Yeah. yeah. But that's a much more fair fight. Right. Yeah. Um, or if he said, "I'll do it without Flint, Flint, yeah. or something." How fucking excited are you about next week, though? Did you see what they have to do with their task is from Island of the Idols? Oh, yes. Sneak into the opposing camp. They have to sneak uh, yeah. into the enemy camp and, like, take something. Like, that rules. Yeah. I've always wanted to see more play between the two tribes. I wonder if it's, yeah, like, explicitly yeah. prohibited. It is. Be- it, it is typically prohibited because of, I want to say Guatemala, which was season 11, where uh, the two tribes got together for a pool day. <laughs> and uh, they, they just decided, they're like, it's... It uh, it sucks out here. We're hot. Let's uh, let's go meet the uh, let's go find the other tribe and then just go out to the lake and swim. Nice. And they did. And then the producers were like, <laughs> first off, we y'all just went and found this lake. It's not where where camp was. Right. They just went off and found a lake and like they could have been dangerous. Right. <laughs> They're like, we no, absolutely not. You have to maintain distance. So, and then there's one other, I guess, instance where it was by design, which is uh, Survivor One World, season 25 or so, where the two tribes lived at the same camp. Oh, oh! But they had, they were separate tribes in the same camp. Yep, that's fun. Men, men versus women. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Like, you watch people like who win the challenge and get the reward, and like go fishing. And they have like all this fishing gear, and they come back with fish, and they're eating it. Like you smell the fish and camp. That would suck. <laughs> they built like different shelters. They built like two camps on one beach. I don't understand why they were so excited about spices on the second one either. I would have been like, "Fuck, what? Give me some food." Yeah, I want spices. I think it's those first six days without tasting anything that they just. You're on Survivor. <laughs> yeah. You should have been eating white rice and dry fish in preparation. Yeah. Anybody got any breezy? I didn't pull anything before the show, but that's because I'm lazy and typically unprepared. Yeah, there's nothing too crazy going on. Uh, like nothing at all. The Irishman is getting like crazy reviews from critics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the skyrocketing, skyrocketing up most Oscar odds as uh, best picture winner. Um, so I'm excited for it. I think Brent was saying last night, Guillermo del Toro wrote like a raving paragraph long review. Yeah, uh, on the movie, and that's the only review I've read so far. Is uh, never read any. I just know it's pretty much universal. Yeah, critical acclaim. I was curious. I was interested to see what there's talk of it. Most people, uh, most review like headlines I've said is like people are saying it is much better than Departed. Right. Which is, I know Departed had some like I know it's his best picture winner, but it's maybe not in his top five. Right. Right. Scorsese films. So, well, I got a lot to watch. Y'all want to hear that? Yeah, neat. All right, we got a few movies to pick from coming up this weekend, uh, and none of them that good. So it'll be fun to pick one. I like these are my favorite one to watch weeks. Yeah, uh, you get the animated the Adams Family movie okay. is coming out this weekend. Okay, uh, you get the weird Angley Will Smith Gemini Man is coming out this weekend. Okay, okay, and a movie called Jexy. Have I heard of Jexy? Tell me about Jexy and his Midnight Runners. Jexy. Here's the plot synopsis. It's the only if you've heard this before. A man's new cell phone turns into a technological nightmare when oh, the AI yeah. program becomes obsessed with him. Yeah, it's Adam okay. Devine and... Uh, Adam Devine, Alexander Ship, yeah. and the voice of Jexy is Rose Byrne. Yeah. The Scarlet Giants have, like, downgraded slightly. I love Rose Byrne. But this movie sounds like a reverse, kind of, of her. And, uh... Yeah. Of her, the film, not her, Rose Byrne. And... Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not fucking picking that movie. Yeah, I've got Adam Devine allergy. I'm uh, I'm still curious with uh, Gemini Man. It's that's, easy, that's my easy pick. Gemini Man for me. Yeah, the Oscar-winning director and Will Smith can be great. 
Will Smith action movies tend to be pretty good. It's when he got away from action where it started to. That shows us one. People are having problems. Oh, he wasn't the problem, right? People are having issues with the uncanny valley with this movie because it was filmed in sixty frames per second. So it's got that like weird di- people having a weird disconnect when they see it because it looks like it's it looks like it's artificial and right. the, and and it's that's problematic because parts of it are when there's two Will Smiths on screen at the same <laughs> right. time and one of them is is digitally aged down. Um, but uh, I'm gonna pick the Adam Sandler movie. Yeah. I just, could be like an outside Oscar though. You never know. Oh, it'll get nominated for best animated. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think Jamini Man's gonna get nominated for anything. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not. Well, neither is my guess. What if Jaxi is the nominee of the three? Somebody yes. actor Adam Devine. <laughs> the, the, the problem with that movie is I I watched a lot of trailers and the gags from the trailer are funny, but I bet those are the funny gags yeah, in the movie. That's that's. That's an issue. Yep. And then a surprise for best original score, Jexy. <laughs> so go see Gemini Man unless you hate the trailers. <laughs> like Chris, you yeah. go see Adam's Family. That just, that's, I've seen those trailers so much. They've been running those forever. trailers forever. Yeah. This movie seems like it's been in post for a year. Anyway. Well, probably longer. Takes out Breezy! Alright, thanks for listening. This is Talkie Talk. You are Talkie Talk. We are Talkie Talk. Thank you to the Willow Walkers. Willow Thank Walkers! You. Thank you to Burifa. Burifa. Subscribe, rate, and bye. 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 Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town slowpokes long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know All the things that I